Welcome to Flame On. We have a special 101 for you today. I'm Pat, the bearskin rung. <laughs> and this is Eric, the muscle daddy. And today we'll be talking about Jean Grey. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> this is the 101 that we've been planning for a while. But we put on the back burner because we thought it would be too gay. Putting you and me in a room together to, <laughs> to sit and just marvel at... Marvel Girl. Oh, that's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> this, I think this next hour is it will be full of really bad puns and. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it will be. Yes, it will be. <laughs> All right. So, pretty much a brief uh, intro into what we're doing here is Eric, when we first met, and you're wearing the shirt right there, signifying the shirt. one of the best storylines, I think, in uh, X Men history. Oh, comic yeah. book history. Yeah, the the whole Phoenix saga from the beginning all the way through till the death on the moon. <laughs> don't don't cry, don't cry. Powder those powder those tears away. Uh, okay, powder right over them. Come on. <laughs> so we wanted to take a little bit of time, and especially with uh, with the Marvel Now relaunch reboot, however you want to refer to it. Marvel's a relaunch. DC did the reboot. All right, so the relaunch with Marvel Now, and we'll get into uh, that at the end with the all new X Men. The return of Jean Grey to the Marvel Universe. Kind of. But yes. The, yes. The Marvel con- convoluted mess that we're going to call Jean Grey's return. <laughs> hey, she's back. I know, I don't care. She's back and she's going to be on the pages of our comic book, oh, so I'm happy God. about that. Thank God. So this next uh, hour or so that we sit here and talk about it, it's going to be just going over her history, where she's been, where we think she's going, and... Just some of our little highlights as, you know, young gay men just idolizing that red hair and green eyes and the power to move things with your mind. Oh, Gene. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So um, we we have a, a kind of a loose little thing that we're going to go with here, and I'm sure we'll venture off into little subtopics here and there. But Us? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so um, basically, do you want to go into her origins? The origin? I believe if my origin of Jean Grey is correct, um, she was born in New York, and when she was a little girl, I think she was like eight, eight or nine when her friend Annie died, and it was the first time her telepathic powers kicked in, and I just, just the Professor Xavier had to shut them down because she had that connection with Annie, and she basically watched Annie die in her mind. And it was a very, like, she went into almost like a catatonic state, Professor Xavier coaxed her out, and shut down her telepathic powers. So from there, she was basically the first student of Charles Xavier. And he went to her first until eventually then she went and joined the school. But I love my girl. I love that girl. But, I mean, there's so many different origins. That's one. Then there's the movie one where she was just a little redheaded bitch that raised cars on the street corner. Nobody minded. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I prefer- Nobody burnt that house down. No. No. I prefer the... Uh- the best friend dying getting hit by a car origin that's it really plays a a huge role into what her character has been and her strength yet i think kind of her vulnerability and her weakness really just comes from the fact that she watched her best friend die at such a young age and was annie was hit by a car yeah right yeah and then as she was lying there dying you know so graphic for that time you know the early 60s for that to be how you're going to depict the character's <laughs> origin. <laughs> but that was probably even later on. 
I can't even say when they first appeared that time because she just showed up at the school before they ever really went back into all of their origins. Yeah, yeah, very true. I mean, it, it's one of those things where they uh, they kind of left a lot of mystery about all of those characters until they really needed to to kind of put it into a perspective and show you the the background of them. But she did have the telepathic powers; they were shut down, so it kind of left her almost a little stunted when it came down to it and now if she were still around who knows what she'd be doing well it's it's funny I don't even remember when her telepathic powers came back into play you know I, I can't remember I remember her telekinesis telekinesis but then I remember the Phoenix saga and that's when she had her telepathy again so it's somewhere in between she had to start gaining it back but I don't remember I don't remember that if there was a story arc or what have you yeah, I think I think the Phoenix uh, saga really was where it kind of brought her tele- telepathic abilities back into the forefront because of the fact that she had all this extra power and it just kind of opened up her entire mind. Because originally the Phoenix was Jean Grey. Right. That was what it was supposed to be. And there was never any clone and, you know, she was at the bottom of the river. It was, that's Jean Grey. And it was another avenue for her to have more power and for her to do all these amazing things. So much more. <laughs> oh, the power. No, but she had the, uh, the telepathic powers beforehand because she uh, took the memories from Dr. Corbeau, had to shuttle the, uh, the shuttle, had to uh, pilot the shuttle. True. So, that is very true. You know, so I, I, but I don't know when that started and when that opened up. It's probably before I even started reading the X-Men. You know, because I didn't start until the Dark Phoenix saga. That's where I started. That was, I think, part of, probably around the same time that I did, or that's one of the, my first major memories of the X-Men was uh, going back and getting that trade paperback. Yeah. You know, that was, and to this day, that's still probably the most, um, the most amazing piece of literature I think I've ever read. Oh, my, it was so, for such a, being such a young kid and reading something so deep and heavy and, like, real, you know, watching a major player die, someone that was so loved and adored. And it was funny, I didn't... Like, I collected the X-Men because that was the thing to do. All my friends were reading the X-Men, but I didn't understand them. Until one friend sat me down and gave me everything from the Phoenix Saga up. Because all I knew was this girl, Jean Grey, that everybody talks about but is not around. <laughs> you know, I'm like, I don't understand. <laughs> Who is this girl? <laughs> and I fell in love with her. When I read the whole thing, that's when I fell in love with Jean Grey. Yeah, that would... I'm the same way. I came into it a little bit later, but I went back and I um, I saw those issues and the whole Phoenix saga, and that was really one of those key things for me. Jean Grey was probably the one that just stuck out of my mind as the, my focal point. And I'm not sure what it was for me, but it was just very much about... It was that vulnerability. It was that power. But she wasn't the one that was up in everybody's face fighting them. It wasn't... It was more about being intellectual and cerebral about how to attack and how to do these things and but being lovable at the same time like everybody loved her everybody loved her yeah how dark and evil she got everybody just loved you exactly <laughs> and I think that's why a lot of people hate her like a disliking of her in the, as a comic book character because no matter what she does bad like everybody still loves her yeah <laughs> very true <laughs> I just killed an entire solar system and 16 billion aliens <laughs> oh Jean. <laughs> Come That's on over. Out here. Gene. 
I just love it. Oh. All right. So, yeah. So, that probably is why most people do haters because of the fact that she can do no wrong. <laughs> exactly. You know, I mean, Emma calls her a cow constantly, but also respects her. Yes. You know, she hates her, but can't, has to respect her because what she does do for the X-Men. Exactly. Even in death and the fact that she's not around with the Jean Grey school now. And I know with the, the separation of the two, the two sides. Um, but yeah, it's the fact that she has, she's had the most effect on the entire X universe more than I think even Charles Xavier has, you know, all the way down to now renaming the Xavier Institute, the Jean Grey school for higher learning. Well, yeah, it's funny uh, for so long, like since she died, for the billionth time I was just like Waiting for her to come back Please please bring her back Please bring her back And then after a while I realized that her name Has more power than she does That if she was to appear She picks sides she, You know She would fight for her word But now everybody's speculating It's like during schism Or schism Whatever the fuck it's called With Cyclops and uh, Wolverine You know If she was there She would have chosen a side and be like, no, you're wrong. And instead, her name just digs at people some, sometimes between Emma and Wolverine and Cyclops. And I think having that whole thing happen with her not being there preserved, no matter which side you were on as a reader, it let you kind of feel that she would choose Cyclops or she would choose Wolverine. And you can kind of, in your own head, decide, I think that this was the right choice. And you kind of are able to have that where if she was there she would have to choose right. a side she'd be like no you're wrong no you're right and you know and you would have to yeah you'd be forced to not be able to kind of play that out in your own mind as to what would happen you know the only thing I did love and the end of AVX fell flat for me um, I did enjoy it and I, I'm sad that I missed out on the actual conversation during the, the regular podcast right. for it but um, I, I did find it kind of amusing in a way in that that realm because the shadow Jean Grey Mm-hmm. That appeared to Cyclops. One of the last things that she said to, her, to him, and I think it might have actually been the last thing, was tell Wolverine I like the name of the school. Well, then, no, that was, she did that in, oh, I think it was Uncanny X-Men, uh, when Cyclops is Dark Phoenix and he's flying and flying and he's going to the end of the universe, which is the White Hot Room. Mm-hmm. And she was just like, I'm disgusted with you. Like, she was totally going off on him that he's doing this. Yeah. And then she's like, oh, one more thing. Before you go, tell Wolverine I like the name of the school. I was like, oh, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> She threw a little dig in there. Yeah, as well, but you know. in the uh, in AVX in number twelve, like her shadow, she's like Scott. You have to stop. This has to stop. And I just started masturbating when I read that, <laughs> and feverishly. And it did, he didn't even have to say Gene before there was a mess all over the register. <laughs> <laughs> just that was. I've waited so long for something that that was enough. Yeah, that at least it paid homage to her being the Phoenix and exactly. not totally ignoring it. Exactly, giving her that goddamn hope. Goddamn son of a bitch. <laughs> So uh, what I got out of that entire conversation is when I go to buy my comics at a comic shop over in Winter Park, make sure that the pages aren't stuck together if they have anything to do with Jean Grey. Oh, everybody knows. <laughs> so, all new X-Men, they're all afraid to touch those books coming. Especially what is it, uh, issue three or five, that's all, like, Jean is the cover of it. Oh, three. Three? Three. Oh, yeah. I can't wait for that one. Oh, yeah. I am actually, um, Aaron, if you are listening, I'm going to beg you now that I'm asking for the variant because they have that pure Jean Grey variant of number one, oh. uh, the phoenix in the background, and oh, it's so beautiful. Oh, yeah. We we need to get Please, a hold of that. Aaron, copy. I love you. <laughs> <laughs> Aaron, I love you too. Come on. It's, my luck is probably like $150 variant. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll all pull our money together. We'll frame it. 
It'll go from house to house. It, I got it this week, people. <laughs> the Sisterhood of the Traveling Phoenix. Yeah. Okay, okay. <laughs> that was good. <laughs> Every so often they're good. Every so often they are. All right. So I think that, that kind of covers a bit of uh, basically the, the summary of her life. So let's pop into a couple of different uh, different things. I think we touched on her role in the original X-Men uh, when I say original X-Men, I mean... The five. Yeah, the first five uh, that there will be coming back in all new X-Men. Well, we haven't read it yet, so we'll wait and yeah, see. Yeah, we'll wait. I was hoping. Yes. Well, and this should come out right before this. You guys will be hearing this right before all new X-Men comes out. So we'll all get to read it together and Yay! either be very happy or very sad all at the same time. <laughs> There'll be a collective groan as if we all were like... <sighs> Although I do have to say, just in touching on that real quick, in the um, the that preview, the review, yes, the the what one or two pages that they show right. it, where Beast is going back, and he's the one that kind of recruits them in secret. Yeah, from he's like, their you have times. to stop this. Yeah, you know, I'm like, huh? It, it was it was actually quite compelling. I so I'm I'm not throwing it to the wayside just yet. I, I want to see if it's going to be that compelling writing throughout the whole thing. Or if it may start out strong and then kind of taper off. We'll see how they, they pull that all together. Well, somebody posted on my uh, wall one of the pages from it, and it shows like Wolverine yelling at a class, not teaching them, yelling at them. And all of a sudden, like, you just focus Gene, they pop in, and you just focus on Gene, and you see him, like, sniff and just, like, head out the door. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> he's either going to become a pedophile at this point. <laughs> Because he's, you know, like 150 years old. She's, At least. She's 17. 15. No, come on, 17. At least make her 17. Oh, everyone wants to make her so young. <laughs> well, come on. I mean, they were all really young when they when they started the school. They were barely teenagers. Which, you know, sometimes they think about, you know, if we think about a whole timeline, I mean, it's like probably last week was the Dark Phoenix saga <laughs> in our world, you know? Like two weeks ago when she turned to Dark Phoenix. What? <laughs> <laughs> that was 40 years ago. Uh, two weeks ago, whatever. Exactly. Well, it, it always it always makes me laugh about the continuity with ages and everything, because if they really aged the way that they should, they'd all be, you know... Dead. <laughs> Dead. <laughs> and nothing was more prevalent than... And I was out... I had gotten out of comic books for so long, and um, after meeting you guys and, and really kind of getting back into it, I've gone back and I've read a lot of stuff, and I was just reading... Um, the all new X-Men books and then I was reading War Song or End Song I'm sorry and a couple of the other things and there's the one where the one I forget which book it was uh, the Cuckoos were pissed at Emma and they walk away from her and they like they called her old and you know, like the last bubble on that you know that page is I'm only 27 I'm like bitch in what world are you only 27 like I am 31 <laughs> you were when Dazzler had like mirrors on her roller skates <laughs> Exactly. That was my first my first introduction to Emma Frost was in the Dark Phoenix saga with the Hellfire Club and Dazzler with her dis her giant disco ball chain <laughs> and her face paint, you know. <laughs> so it, it's just it's funny that, you know, yeah, you really don't kind of get a sense for how old they are. Well yeah, see in uh DC they do a reboot. Every I'm noticing every about fifteen, twenty years they start over so this character stay young. Gotcha. In Marvel they continue the continuity but then you know they bring up the like franklin richards who's going to be this age forever <laughs> you know you'll only get a futuristic you know so you'll never really get them really aging yeah truly exactly aging. it's kind of like the simpsons in that respect it's kind of like me <laughs> <laughs> eric is only 21 Yay! 
<laughs> you can't see me. Don't judge me. <laughs> exactly. So going into the Dark Phoenix Saga, the Phoenix Saga, the Dark Phoenix Saga. Eric, tell us about the intro to the first time the Phoenix was introduced into the, the X universe. First time, I mean, right off the bat, how it happened is that she sacrificed herself. Like she put every, Scott into a coma, threw him, and they put it in that was that radio act. Uh, the, that shielding yes so the radio cosmic rays wouldn't hit them and she was like willing to give up her life and that's when the phoenix calls out to her and says you know i could save your friends i could save this and i remember reading it when my friend gave it to me and seeing her body like totally deteriorating like she her hair was half gone like you saw the radiation like killing her and then that's when she was just like okay for them so she didn't take the phoenix where she wanted to survive she took the phoenix where she wanted her friends to survive yeah, from the get-go, it was all about them because that was the thing. And that's where we were talking about the, the tele- uh, her telepathic powers being there beforehand because she did learn how to fly the shuttle through telepathy. And then she her whole thing was, I'm, I have telekinetic powers. I can put a shield up. I have the best chance of getting this to Earth in one piece. Anybody else that tries to do it isn't going to have that as soon as those cosmic rays hit. You're dead. We're done, and that's right. it. So yeah, it was definitely that fearlessness, that self-sacrifice to say, you know what? If I die, it's worth it because I'm saving the people that I love, and that's exactly what the Phoenix reached out for, and that's what bonded it to Jean so Grey. I saw her sacrificing and just said, "Let me help." Huh. Little do we know. <laughs> and then we have the iconic scene. That is depicted on Eric's shirt. My which, shirt. When she just comes out of the water, I am Phoenix. Exactly. Uh, and then drops like a rock. <laughs> uh. <laughs> Somebody catch me. <laughs> I am life incarnate. Oh. And if you ever watch the cartoon, if you look at her, her lips are quivering. <laughs> yes, people, that's how many times I've seen it. Yes, yes, I know. I'm psychotic. <laughs> Which, uh, the cartoon, I think, for being a kid's show in the 90s on with Saturday mornings, mm-hmm. really did a great job depicting the entire Phoenix Saga from the first Phoenix Saga when she took the powers on and became the iconic um, green and gold Phoenix. Uh, yes. Uh, you know, that I could teleport the whole team into the spaceship with the Landra, but then I have to drop. <laughs> then I can't do anything to help you from there on in. I never understood that, but I was like, okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I could pinpoint Scott with, <laughs> with accuracy. Oh, there he is. Uh. <laughs> she always had bursts of power. She did. <laughs> and then had to take a nap. <laughs> We like to call them siestas. <laughs> she went Spanish. Who knew? <laughs> she is La Phoenix. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm imagining this with, with this picture of G. Gray with a sombrero on her head. <laughs> Maybe we can get Jared to uh, depict that as the art for this episode. Uh, um, but then we went through the whole thing with her being the Phoenix and. Everything was all fine and dandy. Until the absolute power. Until... It was Mastermind, really. I, that, I was going to say... played with her. It was Mastermind who kind of tripped all of the breakers in her head. Because Charles, knowing that this was going to be, you know, something she needed to gradually... Grow into. Grow into and, and become and live, put the psychic breakers into her head. So that way she 
did not have absolute power from the get-go because we all know absolute power corrupts absolutely. Yay. And um, it, I may be wrong. I Again, I don't have a, a huge definitive knowledge of everything before the Phoenix Saga. Um, but the this was, I think, the first really major depiction of the Hellfire Club. That was the first appearance of the Hellfire Club. It was, okay. Yeah, uh, I, I, I thought so. I just wasn't positive. Um, and that's where you had Sebastian Shaw... Uh, Franklin Pierce, uh, Donald Pierce, Donald Pierce, yes, uh, Leland, yeah, Leland Who's that, that Price. I know his last name is Leland. I forget his Wayland, Wayland Leland, something like that. Yeah. But he was the one to manipulate mass. Yes, he's yes, and he's the one that crushed Wolverine into the uh, yeah, right, the to sewer. The <laughs> and then you had the White Queen, and between her and uh, Mastermind, and what uh, what was Mastermind's? Mastermind can create illusions. Emma made them real. Yes, but what was his? Because they were all they all had um, chess names. Jason Weingard. But yeah, well, that That was was his. his, That was his persona. His his illusion persona. Uh, Was he like the Black Rook? Oh, I don't know. I don't remember that. Uh, Because he had the White Queen. The Black King was Sebastian Shaw. Right. Um, See, I don't know Pierce. I didn't know if he had a title or they. They all did, but they weren't really referred to. Emma was the only one who has never really had. Really, a, anything else except the White it's, Queen. It's, yeah, it's her name or <laughs> the, the White Queen, Queen, and that was it. She never really had a another supervillain name where everybody else, Sebastian Shaw, they all went by their names really more than anything else. But uh, but yeah, Mastermind popped himself in as Jason Wingard mm. and uh, took her back into medieval times <laughs> and revolutionary times and basically manipulated Phoenix into being the Black Queen of the Hellfire Club. In a little brown panties, yeah. <laughs> a corset, <laughs> and her hair up in that crazy that bun. bun, that big huge bun. <laughs> I don't even think you can call that a bun. That's that's her sombrero, right there. <laughs> <laughs> she wrapped it around the sombrero. I think there was a chin strap. I don't know. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> when we said this might be the gayest podcast, it is ever. the gayest podcast. It really is. But yeah, she became the Black Queen, and she was just downright evil. But then the Jean Grey part. That was still kind of there was the one that fought. Do you remember how she broke free of Mastermind's hold? It was ah. Oh. They captured the X Men. They captured the X Men and she battled. Uh, he was battling Cyclops, but she went and killed. See, I get mixed up. Is it the cartoon I'm thinking of or the actual comic book? I think it was. I, I think they were actually both pretty close. Pretty close, right? Yeah, they they captured all of them because the X Men broke into the Hellfire Club and they fought. That was the whole thing with. Um, Pier, or yeah, with the, Wait, the Leland Leland knocking Wolverine into the the sewer, um, and then they had them all chained up. But because Gene and Cyclops still had their psychic link, he popped into her head in their revolutionary times, and they had the duel. Wingard and Damn. Cyclops had the duel when Wingard won and stabbed and ran him through with the sword and killed, quote unquote, killed him. Right, they uh, that was what triggered Jean's breakthrough, as opposed to the Black Queen taking over and being a part of the Hellfire Club, and that's when she finally turned around and said, "I'm not the Black Queen," and then made Wingard. All right, I'm going to play something. This is how crazy I am. Shown us the way. Can't you see it all? 
Now, when I get mad, that's what I listen to. <laughs> I love that cartoon so much. That whenever I, whenever I think of them speaking, it's always in those voices all the time. Oh, yeah. That's exactly how I hear it. And I have that. I have a few clips that I just, when I have my moments, I just listen over and over. I've got the DVDs out in the garage. I'm <laughs> Me I made too. Sure. I, I had to pack up a bunch of stuff. I made sure that that stayed out. I'm like, if I ever just have one of those days... Pop in X Men Volume Whatever. I think it's three. Dark Phoenix Saga, and hit play and just watch them through. <laughs> but yeah, so she made so she broke free of uh, Wingard and made him one with the stars. Oh, turned him into a fucking vegetable. I was just, do you want to see me how I truly am? <laughs> I was like, whoa, <laughs> and he's gone. And that was, I think, the first time that we saw that uh, Mastermind was like this really ugly old man. Yeah, that was the illusion. Away the illusion of Jason Wingard. And he was at just almost he reminded me of a little bit of Toad. Yeah, kind of Toadish, very old, yeah, very like ugly. Ooh, yeah, oh, so ugly. She was probably like, oh god. <laughs> She's like, now that's why I'm gonna show you how, how I truly am. Uh, so that that was really kind of the spark that ignited the Dark Phoenix, and then they went. She went crazy. They tried to stop her, and. It took a turn for the moon. It did. But for a while, I mean, it was a battle. And we saw the battle of Jean Grey and Phoenix, you know. And then Jean Grey assists uh, Professor Xavier to tame the Phoenix to block it off until that fucking bitch Lalandra shows up. The Phoenix and Jean Grey must die. I hate Lalandra. Oh. <laughs> when she died in the comic books, I was praising the Lord. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I didn't, you know. And it, for a moment, you think that maybe it can be contained. But then when Lalandra brings all the points of the Phoenix... And ignites it again on the moon when they go into that battle. Yeah. Well, I, and I think it was even shown beforehand that even Jean, as the Phoenix, knew that it couldn't really be contained within her because that battle right before it gets taken to the moon is at her parents' house. Yeah. They set that trap for her, and Storm does the fog, and Colossus is trying to beat her down with a tree. Wolverine's, you know, jumping her and, you know, all this. And she's taking him out one by one. And then Jean takes over for a second when Wolverine's got her pinned down. And she's like, kill me. <laughs> and that that's the point where I think no matter how much you didn't want it to be that way, you kind of knew that's where it had to go. But it still was so like, oh, no, like Jean, I don't care if you killed 60 million <laughs> aliens. I still love you. <laughs> Along with everybody else. <laughs> And then, yeah, they, they took it to the moon, and it uh, became a showdown. They they challenged uh, the Imperial Guard to that one last battle. And if the X-Men won, Jean lived, and the Phoenix lived. And if they didn't, then they could kill Phoenix. Do you know what I read? I was going through my collection not too long, and I came across, uh, uh, shockingly, Jean Grey comics. <laughs> and But there was I forgot all about this, but the Jabari, which the the planet that she destroyed... Um, there were some survivors, you know, that were on space shuttles and doing these uh, these trips, and they came back, and the system was gone. So they were hunting for her, and they come and they find her, and so she was such a. At this point, I believe she had no t telekinesis, just telepathic powers, and she was so powerful that she made them play out the scenario in their head to think that they destroyed the phoenix, that she looked like the phoenix, and they did this whole battle. And then you're thinking that she became the phoenix again. I'm like, oh my God, I don't remember this. And then at the end, they leave, and she drops the facade. And the X-Men are like, what did you do? Well, they wanted to believe that they killed me, so I let them believe that they killed me. I'm like, oh my God, woman! <laughs> wow. I was 
was oh. like, that was unbelievable. That's fantastic. Yeah, that was, just to see the Dabari, some of the survivors come back for her. Her head, <laughs> the broccoli people. <laughs> <laughs> yes, the broccoli people. <laughs> the broccoli people got their revenge. <laughs> <laughs> That's terrible. <laughs> oh man, but uh, yeah. And so, uh, and then we find out, and then this was this was a big difference between the comics and the cartoon version of that was the fact that in the cartoon version, because it was a Saturday mor- morning cartoon in the nineties for kids, she didn't die. Nope. She was allowed to have a piece of her taken, or um, they. She was sacrificed. Everybody had to sacrifice a piece of themselves, right? A little piece to of their heal, kind of soul to heal her, to heal her, and she became Jean Grey again and was fine and dandy. Where we know in the comics in that the wasn't comic the case. She had she had that battle, and she's like, I can't control this. She donned the Marvel Girl outfit, her little uh, her little short skirt started. <laughs> And at the end, blood red and gold, baby. <laughs> oh. But she pulled the trigger on herself. She it was did. they outran the uh, the Imperial Guard as much as they could, and then they turn around and there she goes. Here's a laser. I'm out. Yep, she takes herself out. She exerted enough energy that she knew she can kill her. Her the shell, I guess. Yeah, that exactly. her body was holding the Phoenix Force, so she destroyed it. Exactly. <laughs> It was so sad. And then because of all of the outrage and the popular demand for wanting Jean Grey back, they retconned the entire Dark Phoenix I think it was eight years that she was gone. Something about that. I think it it was was like between five and eight years that she was gone. And then I think it was in Fantastic Four. John Byrne, John Byrne, who was one of the people who was the artist at the time, killed her. Uh, was the player that wrote and brought her back and explained that the Phoenix Force actually duplicated Jean Grey. Yes. And Jean Grey was in a healing cocoon at the bottom of Jamaica Bay. Yes, because the Fantastic Four called up the X-Men and they're like, hey, we found something. We think it's yours. <laughs> <laughs> it had a, if found, please return to Xavier Institute sticker on it. And when, yeah, when she came out of that, she just remembered, I think it was like they were about to deal with... Uh, what was the guy's name who did with the Trask and the Sentinels? And yes. right before that's when the Phoenix and they went to space and stuff. So that's yeah. all she remembered. And so she came right out of that thinking that this was all Sentinel-based. And this was actually where, and it's it's taken a bit of a turn, but this is where one of my favorite teams, aside from you know my core X-Men, was developed. Because when Jean Grey came back, Cyclops had left and married... Maddie, <laughs> Madeline Pryor. We won't get into that clone. <laughs> Shh. I am not Madeline Pryor. I swear. Yes, he is. <laughs> um, but yeah, Cyclops had left, and the, the whole point was for was it really to write Cyclops out of the X Men at that point, move on with Madeline and her resemblance to Jean. Originally, was just supposed to be coincidental. And he was supposed to be gone, and that was it. And when they retconned and decided to say that it wasn't Jean, that it was, you know, her body was put away and allowed to heal, and the Phoenix created a new body in her exact replica to do all this stuff, um, that's when the whole thing with making Madeline Pryor a clone came about in the whole... It all started with Sinister and... Uh... Exactly. The Sinister and tie to the Summers line and the fact that Jean Grey and Cyclops would produce these offspring that 
would be amazing. Well, look at them. Oh yeah. Well, <laughs> the funny part is that none of none of the kids were actually Cyclops and Jeans from the six one six timeline, except Cable. No. Cable's Madeline's. Well, that's a clone. See, Jean doesn't want the stretch marks. <laughs> so she's just like, Her yeah, yeah, yeah. Clone. I have to stay at 110 pounds to fit in this fucking costume. <laughs> she's I like, got six kids and not a stretch mark to prove it. <laughs> exactly. Um, so, yeah. So that's when X Factor was founded. Yes. And they X Factor began from that because after all of that happened, the original five X-Men kind of moved away from the X-Men titles and then it was focused on the new team. Well, at the, at the time, I believe the X-Men were considered dead. They went through the siege. Yeah. The perilous, the and they were living perilous, in yes. uh, Australia. I think yes. the Outback. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah, they took over the Reavers uh, hideout and stuff like mm-hmm. that. So that's where they were hiding. That's right. So they were dead. So they were out of the focus. Cyclops was gone. He started his own life and then they found Gene. And it's like, hey, Look what we found. Let's form a new team. <laughs> Dumps his wife, his kid, and runs to Gene. <laughs> all, all against Gene Gray's wishes. Mm-hmm. But by the time that he went back, Maddie was up and out. Oh, she yeah. took Nathan and was like, we're out. See you later. So that was the form of X Factor. And then and they were the government mutant team. Right. They were supposed to be the government mutant team. And we all know that that eventually went downhill very quickly. <laughs> Always, but you had but what did come out of that was probably my second favorite storyline out of all of them. Inferno, the Inferno oh. storyline. Oh, I'm just rereading it now. I have the big, huge omnibus. <laughs> oh, I may need to borrow that at some point because that was I remember hunting those issues down oh. and reading. I don't think I read across every title that it affected, but I think I covered the majority of. Of this those had, there. This had every this has everything in it. I mean even crap I don't want to read. <laughs> Exterminators, I don't care. I'm like glazing over that crap. <laughs> give me give me X Men, give me X uh X Factor. New Mutants, I think, were also involved in it. Yeah, I mean, everybody, everybody yeah. got involved in it. Excalibur yeah. was involved. Oh, ex- okay. That's. I was going to say Excalibur. I'm like, I'm not sure if they were still if they were around at that point. That's where Jean's daughter Rachel yes. was the Phoenix. Yes, you know, and she was just hanging out in Britain, and she was just like, Oh God, what's happening <laughs> with her? With her crazy lesbian look, oh. her mullet with a, with a rat tail <laughs> and spikes for these. Her, her skin tight red outfit with spikes all over it. She was a lesbian dominatrix. That's really what she was. <laughs> <laughs> she took after her mother's black queen look <laughs> so yeah so then you had the whole showdown with uh madeline Pryor became the goblin queen and absorbed remnants of the phoenix force so then you had your showdown between jean gray and madeline Pryor. oh that was so good and the epic so battle good. that it was it was epic i mean the fact that like we found out that maddie was created by sinister and he couldn't bring it to life and then when Jean Grey uh, pushed away the Phoenix Force after she died in the moon the Phoenix was going to her body again to uh, possess it and Jean pushes it away it goes into Maddie and it brings Madeline Pryor to life so then it was purely the Phoenix versus Jean and oh what a battle and we know who won that one me (laughs) (laughs) I was in my head I always no matter whenever I talk about it I always in my head is always that iconic picture the the cover of the two of them locked hands locked hands one up one down <laughs> the goblin queen crazy 
I don't even shreds. Take, yeah, it was shreds of clothes. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't even an outfit. It was like some crazy things covering her boobs and like a tattered skirt. I don't and her crazy, you know, like goblin like appearance. But that's when uh when that battle ended, Jean absorbed the memories and the Madeline Pryor. That, that all of Madeline Pryor's memories, all of the Phoenix's memories of her time as Jean Grey during the Phoenix and Dark Phoenix saga and she had to deal with the fact that holy shit I killed 16 million broccoli people <laughs> <laughs> and, and how she, how am I ever going to deal with this but it wasn't me <laughs> I swear it wasn't me so then I think that was really kind of the quote unquote death of the phoenix for a long time for year, oh my god yeah we really we had little hints and little play on it for years, I mean, Rachel was the Phoenix, her yeah. daughter, so we just had that going on. But and she was hanging out in England. Nobody really Yeah, she was really shit. in England. Nobody cared. They met, I mean, you know, they met here and there, so it was, like, kind of cute. And, and well, and a big thing with that was that she pushed Rachel away at first yeah. because of the fact that... She saw the Phoenix Force. Exactly. And But we know, like, um, in the future, in Rachel's future, her and um, Franklin Richards get married mm-hmm. so they tie in that family and I remember there I forget the name of the story arc but they did a story arc where uh, the Franklin and Rachel being together and everybody coming together and so that was a lot of fun to watch because then they have a child who would like try to kill everybody again I think his name was like Hyperion or something but I remember they reading out of this something, but I was I remember reading it and looking at him and he had like this this uh, headdress on and it looked like a little Phoenix logo. I'm like, what the hell? And then at the end, he explains who he is. I was like, oh, he's Power <laughs> Phoenix and Franklin. Oh God, <laughs> Golly knows what he will do in that. Um, but yeah, and, and that's one of those things where and I was just kind of reading about Rachel, some of Rachel's stuff, and the fact that she is the only one of her kind. There is no other Rachel out there. No, it's her timeline, Rachel, and that's it. And there is no more of her timeline. She exactly. Fixed it. Yeah, so that's gone. The days of future past is past. Yeah, now she's just here. Which I'm curious to see if with this new movie, if there's any indication of Rachel in the new X Men movie, since it's going to be Days of Future Past. Well, supposedly, I know Patrick Stewart signed on. I know Jean Grey signed on for Wolverine. Yes. I saw that Something more like than likely just a flashback, but yeah, it's a flashback still. that they've met and all this stuff. Yeah. So I would love to see, you know, something like that. And I'm curious about who they're going to use as the portal. Exactly. You know, who's in the future that's going to possess the one in the past. Do we, do we have more of Kitty pride? Do we bring her, you know, and Kate pride in the, in the future? Do we have Rachel? Do we have, uh, or do we do something along the lines with Bishop? I think it's, something's telling me it's going to be Dazzler that they're going to meet Dazzler in our time. Uh, well, I mean, what would be the 70s at that point? So it would be yeah. kind of perfect timing for Dazzler, and why not a futuristic Dazzler gets thrown, or they put her there. You know, she goes through it, and Allison Blair. Hmm. I know uh, the comic book queers Facebook group that, I, that I'm a part of on Facebook, there's a huge Dazzler following in there, so I'm pretty sure that they would all let out a collective squee <laughs> if Dazzler was involved Well, in I it. remember reading somewhere that there's hints that Dazzler's going to be a part of it. I'm like, that would be a pretty cool, cool portal. Yeah, them, you know, a new character developing and then show, you know, so yeah, I would like that. It'd be nice to see some of those characters from, especially that were really brought forth because of such great storylines like the Phoenix Saga, because uh, that was Dazzler's first appearance at mm-hmm. the nightclub. And, you know, it would be nice to see those things brought into it and then fleshed out. And I would like to see them kind of go back to some of the more 
comic book related origins and not twist them as much for the movie adaptation of it because you've got people that either have stopped reading like for me i had stopped reading for so long before the x-men movies came out that there were certain mutations that i didn't realize had happened you know like psylocke melting into shadows like i'm like what is this one chick doing in the movie and then i read i'm like that's psylocke what Mm -hmm. you know it it's just kind of bizarre so it'd be nice to kind of keep if the mutations are part of what they do in the comics great fine dandy but don't mess with where they came from right you know or at least try to keep them somewhat similar if you're not gonna be able to tie it in exactly you know with like you said with the Jean Grey origin of the movie versus the comic book origin Rogue's origin in the movie and I'm a huge Rogue fan on on top of everything else I love Rogue I hated Rogue's she never did anything exactly that was the thing that you know she wasn't and I hated the fact that they they then matched her in the comic book they took away her Miss Marvel I love that Miss Marvel rogue. You know, yeah. the battle of the mind of her keeping control or Carol taking over here and there, you know, and but having that, that little Supergirl thing going on. I love that about Rogue. I mean, they, they just took that away, and I'm like, Ugh. They gave her layers upon layers because she had other people in her, you know? Right. And it was such a, it was such a crazy way to give somebody something to do without having to do anything. It's like, well, hey, I'm just gonna, I just gotta fight in my own head right now. <laughs> gotta go checking out people. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, definitely. So it'll be interesting to see how they they tie in all of that. But then uh, after Inferno, and we go through all that, we then lead into the '90s. Jean Grey, who I think was kind of around the time that I started really getting into it after Inferno and into um, when you had the blue and gold teams. Yes. That's when uh, it was Uncanny X-Men and X-Men. Yes. And it was really, I think right after X-Factor is when it was no longer, nobody called her Marvel Girl anymore. It was just Jean. Just Jean. Exactly. Even in the cartoon. You had Cyclops. You had Storm. You had Rogue. Jean Grey. Yeah. I was like, oh, (laughs) not even Marvel Girl. You got Jean Grey. (laughs) Yeah, she, uh, after, because she went from Marvel Girl to Phoenix, back to Marvel Girl, and then she was Marvel Girl all through X-Factor, and then they... You know, updated everything. Well, they very rarely called her Marvel Girl in that, and then after Inferno, she was just just call me Jean. Yeah, she's like just hey, Jean, eh. and that's when she got her crazy gold unitar with her her big headpiece with a little like diamond like shape on the top on her forehead because <laughs> that's where all her power came out of was that diamond. Because well, it was always three years, things. three years she won like uh, the best costume in Wizard when Wiz- Wizard Magazine used to do oh, those things. Wizard. She won for three years in a row. It's like, that's my girl, number one. <laughs> with that crazy, ridiculous outfit. Uh, it's, it's just kind of funny. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, so then that was where she really kind of separated herself from any of the Phoenix stuff. And it was just, it, for the longest time, it, she was just Jean Grey. Telepath, telekinetic, and she just kind of came into her own as a character not tied to any outside force right and then the iconic wedding then the marriage but before, well, before the building up of the marriage Cyclops constantly asked all of yeah. X Factor every chance he got he's like would you marry me she's like shut the fuck up <laughs> she's like I saw what you did to your last but wife then, <laughs> you would see that he would like first issue say three like he gets down on one Gene will you marry me she's like no and then issue four she's like making out Wolverine <laughs> And she was a whore. She was a whore. She made out with so many people. And this is why you are Jean Grey. Right. <laughs> right. Because yet, I do all this stuff. You still love me. 
<laughs> we still love you. It's like I remember so many covers would be her and Wolverine. Ah. And then the next moment it's her and Cyclops. Ah. I'm like, oh. And then her and Warren on a date. What? <laughs> oh, Angel. Oh, he even had to get in on the action. Well, it's funny because um, it might have been the link that you posted on my on my Facebook page about through the eyes of Marvel Girl and everything. They were talking about the fact that, you know, they were all in their teens. They mm-hmm. were all going through puberty as the five of them. And, I mean, Hank wasn't the big blue thing with hooves that he is now. Because he's got hooves. I don't care what you call it. His feet went from giant feet to giant blue furry feet. And I love giant, free- giant you know, yeah. that beast. That and that's fine. And even big blue furry beast at first was I, he was adorable. You wanted to turn to Zimba, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> now he's got hooves. He looks like a like a minotaur slash giant blue cat. Like it's crazy. But they um, they go into that whole thing in that article about the fact that they were going through puberty and any group of four guys and one girl, you're always going to have that kind of tension. And you you know Gene and Cyclops were. Always kind of a little thing. They were but, playing. But they're all horny teenagers. <laughs> and the only one nobody paid mind to was Bobby. <laughs> oh, poor He's Bobby. probably the one who had the spy cam in everybody's room. <laughs> Until he started fucking around with Havocs, girl. Uh, oh, that's right, Polaris. Oh, that I love mess. Her. <laughs> oh, she's a mess. She's a hot mess, but I love well, her. Now, I mean, for years, I wanted to like, but for the years I was reading, she was malice. She was possessed and she was evil. Okay. And then she came out of it and she became Polaris again. But until they finally admitted the fact that she was Magneto's daughter. Which, oh. I, which I missed. That's part of That all happened when I wasn't reading. And then I picked up and I wanted to read House of M. Because oh. I'd heard so much about it. Oh. I, when I, before I started getting back into the books, I went and I read a lot of stuff online. So I'm reading all this stuff about like the House of M and you know the fact that they went from millions upon billions of mutants to 200. Yeah, well, thank God they were X Men. <laughs> thank God the two hundred were mostly X Men. Um, but you know, and say I, I know Brian do not hate me, but it was Grant Morrison that did that. Grant Morrison that that made the second mutations of everybody that made a beast into a cat. You know, and that kind of bothered me. Well, the funny part about it is, there's only and and please correct me if I'm wrong. There's only two that I know that have secondary mutations. Beast and Emma and Jean because her second mutation was becoming the Phoenix again and that's what he brought back out in her <sighs> okay I guess I could Did see Cyclops it. no uh, yeah I think that's it that's it but the, the but the thing is that Cassandra Nova takes credit Ooh. for um, for Emma's the diamond skin in New X-Men mm-hmm. it's third book book three Torn I think is yeah I think it's the third book yeah. the, uh, when they did them in the, the book the Stop. volumes. Yeah, the volumes. Because um, Cassandra Nova, that's when they first in- introduced the Hellfire Club back in. And Cassandra Nova takes credit for, she, she says to Emma straight out, who do you think was responsible for your diamond skin? You know, so right. it's kind of like, so if you take out, and I, I, I still kind of, I'm iffy on the Phoenix being yeah, a secondary yeah, I mean, mutation. Because that's always just kind of been there with her. Right. So I could, you know, you could argue the fact that from the beginning, she's always kind of retained a piece of it. And it just needed time to kind of grow again um and then if cassandra nova takes credit for emma's then you just have beast <laughs> the poor big blue cat with hooves <laughs> he's the only he's, he's the, the only, only one got screwed he got screwed and then and on top of that 
apparently in I think all new X Men number one, he talks about mutating more. Well, in the, the the pictures I've seen of him, he looks back to what he used to look like more. You know, like back in the nineties beast. Mm-hmm. You know, not that 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 weird hairdo he had. It's not more, the not the long right. Snow yeah. Cat-like so thing. I mean, it looks a little bit back to being what it was. Okay, which I hope so. Happy. Yeah, because I can't. You know, some people now draw him that way, and some people draw him the cat way. Yeah, depending who want who likes it. And that's and that's that's always kind of the weird thing when you're reading, especially with a crossover like AVX, and you've got the AVX issues where they're drawn by one person. Then you go to Uncanny X Men, and then Beast makes an appearance in there. And it's a whole other set of people writing and drawing for it. And now he looks like a cat in this one. He doesn't look like a cat in this one. Right. He's flat-footed in this one. He's got hooves in this one. You know, I saw I saw a woman walking down to Firestone the other night, and her shoes had no heel. And I swear to God, she looked like Beast. Like her feet looked like Beast. Because it was just the part, the, her, the balls of her foot and her toes were on the ground. And the way the shoe curved up, I looked at her, and in my head all I thought was, that's exactly what Beast's feet look like. Right. <laughs> but uh, but yeah so so yeah so we're we're now getting extremely off track right yeah, yeah sorry, let's go sorry, back sorry, to right, back horny to teenagers we, right, we're talking about the marriage yes that's we'll what we're doing <laughs> wow, we made a left <laughs> <laughs> we made the hard left and went into beast hooves i don't know but, but yeah they finally we might edit that one down a yeah, little we'll bit. edit that one down a little bit um the marriage. Yes. I mean, they finally got married after all these years. I liked that Rachel was there. Yes. And they had a mother-daughter moment, which was very nice. And, you know, it was a very nice wedding. And then, what was it, like, the day or the, as they were leaving for their honeymoon, they got thrown into the future? They're like, bam, here's your honeymoon, bitches. <laughs> which was actually an awesome mini The Adventures of Cyclops and Phoenix. Yes. That, I thoroughly enjoyed that because it gave you so much more insight into what happened. Because we all love little Nathan, Nathan Christopher, and during the whole Inferno saga, they were like, please don't sacrifice him to these goblin demons. <laughs> this little baby, this little baby. And then Apocalypse injects him with the techno virus, yeah. so he gets thrown to the future. And in that future, that's where Gene and Cyclops get transported to raise yes. him by Rachel. Yes, the mother of Mother Ascani mm-hmm. at the time. And yeah, so she's like, you have to raise him and take care of him. And that's when... Jean actually started becoming the mother. Yes. You know, and she actually was his mother yep. at that point. And still not a stretch mark. But yes, she was his mother. <laughs> good for her. Yeah, good No for cocoa her. butter needed. <laughs> yeah, you want to hear something disgusting? Okay. It still has to do with Jean, but it has to do with Madeline Pryor. Okay, there was Nate Gray, which was con- uh, created in Age of Apocalypse. Yes. It was the clone. Uh, it was the DNA of Cyclops and Phoenix. Yes. Okay. So he created this Nate Gray. He comes to our time. In our time, he meets Madeline Pryor. And the two of them have this love affair. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. Madeline Pryor is the clone of Jean Grey, which is the DNA that created Nate Grey. <laughs> A little incest, people. Well, and then even if you just turn around and say that he's technically like an alternate version of Cable, which he was, mm-hmm. and then that's Cable's mother. Yeah. So no matter what, no matter how you slice it, it really is just a Oedipus Rex typo. It's disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> I read it, and then I think even Jean showed up there, and Jean was like, what the hell is going on here? <laughs> <laughs> I think she was even disgusted. <laughs> she walked in and was like, ew. <laughs> <What the hell? laughs> 
<laughs> oh, poor Madeline. Yeah, I mean, she never gets never gets a break. But yeah, in the future, like they have to protect him from apocalypse and did all this training and bringing him up with the techno virus and how to control it. As slim and red. Yes. Red to <laughs> R-E-D-D S-L-Y-M <laughs> It was great It was a lot of fun It was a lot of was. fun but That it, was a horrible honeymoon But it was a lot of fun <laughs> Well did they get transported Right back to like The day It was like they the left? next day You know Because <laughs> Rachel was able To do that <laughs> And then Rachel was like Oh <laughs> And what is it I think they were there For like 12 years Something like yeah like, It was 12 years puberty, yeah, they, they brought him up too Yeah they pretty much They raised him through His entire Childhood into you know puberty, and then he goes with the uh, clan Ascani. Yes, and they train him from then on in. Exactly, and then he becomes the warrior Cable and comes back and fucks everybody up. Oh yeah, <laughs> oh yeah. Him and his clone brother Strife. Let's not even get to the uh, <laughs> the X Men and their clones and the time stream. <laughs> Anything to give me a headache. And they always converge back in six one six. Like somehow they always managed to end up back here. <laughs> Forty-seven different timelines, <laughs> and they always end up back in this one. <laughs> yeah, Cable, you got Strife, you got um, Nate Gray, you've got Rachel Summers. I, I was sitting there going, I read somebody post something about like the Summers kids, or like what would be a great Fantastic Four, like a um, you know a, a, a different Fantastic Four type of thing, and it was like you know all the the Gray Summers kids. I'm like, God damn, there really are a lot of them, aren't there? <laughs> For two people that have never had a child together. Exactly. They have a lot of kids. They have a lot of kids. They have a lot of kids. <laughs> it is. It's a, it's a bit much. It's a yeah. bit, but I always, I always joked about when I'm, whenever I read comics, I'm like, you know, Marvel and their time stream is like DC with their Earths. DC has an earth for all occasions. Marvel, we're just going to stick our hand in this time stream and we're going to rip this person out. And that's where you came from. Yeah. Exactly. What earth are you from? Oh, earth 312. I don't know. I lost count somewhere back there. I hopped on a couple different earths before I got here, so I'm not sure where I'm at anymore. Uh, but yeah, that was definitely a... Um, a a big piece of the puzzle that was missing because Cable had been around for a little while then he had taken the New Mutants over made them into X-Force and to get to see where he came from and and really kind of get some closure from Inferno Mm -hmm. for the people that had been around for that long for it and then to really kind of give Gene and Cyclops and especially considering they've never had a child together in the 616 you know our real reality our reality uh, it was nice to, for them to have that time to be parents together. Right. You know, it might have been in a crazy, you know, apocalyptic age. But hey, <laughs> they got to raise a child together. So it was good times. Uh, <laughs> and then in between the uh, after adventures of Cyclops and Phoenix, there was, I remember a battle. I think it was called Sins of the Father, where uh, Cyclops sacrificed himself and merged with Apocalypse. So Jean lost him. Yes. For years. Like she went on the journey, of course, to search for him, to search for Cyclops, and she eventually finds him. And it was, I think, it coincided with the movie, right around the time for the movie, because when she got him back, when they, she separated Apocalypse from Scott, we got a younger Cyclops. Like in the movie, he was younger mm-hmm. than her, so they uh, they did that, and that's when it went into New X Men. Mm, mm, mm. That fucking bitch. <laughs> Speaking about Emma. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, because uh, that was a huge, huge thing through pretty much that entire beginning run of it with six books, six or seven books when they when they 
traded them. They put them all together. To three, volumes. yeah. So it was six, uh, six originally, and then it went to th- uh, three omnibuses. Okay, yeah, because uh, I've gone through the six, the six books. That was part of what actually got me back into reading them. Was um, Brian knowing uh, my love of Phoenix and wanting me to kind of get back into reading some of the stuff? So he started me with uh, with New X Men one. With uh, Grant Morrison's run. Right? Yes, it was Grant Morrison. Yes. Frank Qu- Quietly? Quitly? Quietly. Through most of it, yes. Yeah. Quietly did the majority of it, which is where I learned I'm not a huge fan of his beast. And then the man I'm in love with, Phil Jimenez, did the ending. Oh, yes. So hot. Yes. With his uh, crazy Wolverine's ass being the cover of that, that volume. Oh, no, that it. was Mark Silvestri. He, oh, did, he well, did the le- very last issue. Ah, He did okay. the, the Tomorrow, Man of Tomorrow, something like that it was called. Yeah, X Men uh, Tomorrow. Here which, comes tomorrow. Here comes tomorrow. Then it went into the future. Yes, after this was all done, because that's where everything got fixed. Right. Because then you know, all right, yeah. So after Gene's death, but anyhow, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. we'll grumble, grumble right yeah, now. Exactly. <laughs> so that was where they started to play on the telekinesis coming back into a major play for Gene, because at, at that point she really was more just a telepath, right? They kind of stripped away her telekinetic powers, and um, the blossoming of her telekinesis again, and her trying to deal with what's going on in her body as far as her powers go, and being really kind of distant from Cyclops, or or in that case, really Cyclops being distant from her. Right. He was the one who was trying to find, since he's in this younger body, he doesn't know what he went through. So he was doing the person that was there for him was Emma. And I remember there would be times, I think there was a, a story when the, uh, Scott and Wolverine and Emma, they were in Japan, and Gene come there, it was nighttime, now Gene pops in, you know, and you see this, like, the, the telepathic version of her, and she's like, hmm, Emma's the first thing on your mind. Should I be jealous? I was like, oh. <laughs> and that was the build, and that was slowly, like, she, Emma fell in love with Cyclops, yes. <sighs> She fell in love with him, but they didn't have a physical affair. They had a mental affair. Yeah. Oh, meh. That until I eventually get over it. I know. We'll never get over it. <laughs> well, yeah, I'll never get over it. Uh, but yeah, they did have the, the mental affair. and It really kind of seemed to start out innocent mm-hmm. in a way, at least on Cyclops' end. It was like he needed somebody to talk to. Exactly. And she was, he felt like he couldn't connect with Jean. You know, he couldn't deal with, they couldn't connect because of her past as the Phoenix his connection to Apocalypse. As well as she was running the school. She was the headmistress of the school. Xavier was, I believe, gone at the time. He yes. left. Yes. Yeah. And he wasn't one of his times he was dead. Yeah. Oh, is he in a chair? Is he walking again? Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because then we also introduced Zorn through this whole that's thing a, as well. Uh, which, yeah. Yeah, that's just a mess. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Brian. <laughs> but it, it does lead into them growing into a psychic affair and what really got me when I started to absolutely hate it was when Emma started donning the Phoenix costume oh. in those in those little psychic encounters and I was just like what the fuck yeah and then there's that one time and where one time is Jean she, she's in. like bam <laughs> what I love that Gene throws Scott out of his own mind <laughs> <laughs> he's like I can't even access this <laughs> She's like, she's like, would you like to explain this? And she was just... And you're gone. I'll never forget. I was living in the Virgin Islands, and I was getting my uh, comics you know, via the mail and from uh, New York. 
And I remember getting these issues and reading it. And it was before, when she first became the Phoenix was uh, the school was threatened. Yes. And she was by herself. And she had all the kids and all these army guys came up. And all of a sudden, flame started. And I was like, oh. Like, I just saw the tips of her hair starting to get the flame. And I turned that page and she was the Phoenix and I masturbated. Sticky <laughs> <laughs> pages again. Sticky <laughs> pages. Every time the Phoenix shows up, so does my friend. <laughs> <laughs> There's just a little fire in her hair. <laughs> That's all it does for me. But then, you know, and then when the battle in the mine, and she was like, oh, you know, Emma, it's just you, me, and the Phoenix, and that big double page spread of the big Phoenix bird, and Emma crying. I was like, yes! <laughs> oh, the opening day. Oh, that was good times. Debacle, yeah. That was good times. Good times. <laughs> uh, which then led into her accepting the Phoenix and and really for the first time I think ever as Jean Grey and this was no clone there was no major catastrophe that led to her rebirth as the Phoenix right this time this time full Phoenix we'll say because you know what triggers the actual uh, later on is a whole other thing but uh, this was the first time where she fully was just like fuck this you know I've got power within me I need to protect the people I care about. And at that point, it was her students because they were coming to storm the school. And she was like, no. She had to stop it. And she did. And then with Emma and that whole psychic affair, and she just was at her wit's end. And she was done. And that's that the the firebird. And And she also, I I don't remember what happened to Emma, but Emma was shattered. Her diamond was shattered. And she was shot. Yeah, and she yes. totally shattered into millions and millions of pieces, and Jean put it together. Exactly. She was, <laughs> Because she realized that, that he loves her. That she loves Scott. And I think it was less about Scott loving Emma and more about the fact that it wasn't just Emma trying to fuck with Jean and do something to hurt her. It was the fact that Emma actually had fallen in love with Scott. And, I think, and Scott was being taken over. He was kidnapped. Something along those lines. Scott was in trouble. I remember that. Scott was in trouble. And um, Gene, yes. Gene used the put Phoenix Force remember to, to her. Scott needs you. Yeah, Scott needs you. And put her back together. And that's when uh, Zorn shot her. Had one of the, scu- the students like shoot her yeah. in her diamond form. And that's what shattered her in the whole nine. So, yeah. So, that was... She was starting to accept things in a certain way. But at the same point, was accepting the power and using the power in such a way that wasn't completely dangerous. And um, then we lead into, after all that, we find out that Zorn is a traitor amongst the And that whole mess. And, you know, but I liked, they were, what was it? Their ship, uh, Wolverine and Gene were on a ship headed toward the sun. Well, they got lured up into space. Yeah. And then Gene all of a sudden goes, or no, that was Phantom X. Yep. And Wolverine, because of the, the... um, the Weapon Plus project. Yes. So Wolverine had gone with Cyclops and Phantom X out into space to try to stop that whole thing. Wolverine's finding out about himself and his past and all that. So yeah. Gene's got to go save him. Of course. <sighs> Damn Wolverine. <laughs> <sighs> never. I've never been a fan of Wolverine. I think it's just way too overhyped. I mean, he's got some good points, granted, but whatever. Um, and then, yeah, she, she goes to save him, and then she goes to him, she goes, Look at where we are, Asteroid M. And it was such a kickback to old school Magneto with right. all of that and bringing Asteroid M back, you know. And um, that led to the final 
issues of Jean Grey. Yeah, the final issue is that uh, the, their ship was headed toward the sun, and she's like, you don't have a choice, Wolverine. You have to do it, and he had to kill her. And he kept stabbing her and stabbing her until finally it released a phoenix. Yeah. And the phoenix took over. And I remember when she shows up back at the school, and Emma's just like, ugh, <laughs> look who's showing off again. <laughs> Always has to make an entrance. That's right, because she and Beast were, what was it, like in Antarctica or whatever. Yeah. And there was this, like, spaceship part Phoenix, and she was like, ugh. Show off. Yeah. But it was great, and it was the last moment, and she went off on Magneto, and Magneto gives her a stroke. Uh, yeah. I, I, I guess it was more of the gene in control that it happened. I just don't understand. Yeah, it's still to this day. I read that, and I I think I might have thrown the book across the room. And I was like, why the hell did you let me read this? It was, it was, I think, the weakest way that they killed her. Oh, my God, yeah, because he touched her. Oh, I sent an, electroma- an electromagnetic pulse through you that would destroy the solar system. Bitch, when did you get that power? When, <laughs> you could bend spoons with your mind. Like, I, I don't get this. How are you taking out uh, like a celestial entity's force in a you know in an omega level mutant? Right, like nothing. He <laughs> took her out and blood coming out of her nose. I'm like, oh my god, oh my god. It's just I I cried. Of course I cried. I had no heart on for years. Uh, <laughs> but then of course you know then. Uh, they, they finished it off with the tomorrow one, the tomorrow, future, yeah. here comes tomorrow, that they show that she comes back and she, as the white phoenix, when she puts the universe back together. Did she become the white phoenix she, at that point? In that point, that's, at the oh. end of that, there's no universe, so she recreates it. Yeah, no, oh, okay. Yeah, because it showed all the white phoenix of the crown. Yeah, because it, it shows at first like Cyclops mourning and not being able to go on after her death. And, and then Emma wants to run the school with him. And right. He and he's like, no, no. Away. And then it shows Jean at the end taking pieces of her away from him so he can heal and have them together. Yeah. And her tears rebuilt the, the universe in the way it was supposed to be. <sighs> oh, and that was the last time we saw Jean for years. Until End Song. I love that we did that in unison. That I mean, we didn't even plan that, people. <laughs> Everybody said, they go, God damn, they're gay. <laughs> but uh, song was brilliantly drawn, colored. like It, it was beautiful. It, I loved it. Aesthetically, Every moment of it was just amazing. I had the digital version of it. Um, we had downloaded from one of the apps on, uh, on, on our phones. And I'm just sitting there, and I was entranced through its five six issues something like that somewhere i think it was five issues yeah um so and going through it all and it was amazing to see how they brought it back and the fact that the phoenix went and dug up gene gray it's like i can't do nothing else let me just go bring let me go bring her back from the dead again (laughs) on the tail of a dragonfly oh so nice (laughs) so poetic and and it was just it was so interesting to see how they they started everything from the Phoenix Four is kind of bouncing from person to person and going. Why am I here? Why, why am, am I here? here? Oh, you're not who I'm looking for. And it, and it was really kind of awesome how they gave you little insights into each of the characters as it went from from person to person, from the Cuckoos to Quentin Quire to Beast to Wolverine. Funny little man. Yeah, <laughs> he is a funny little man. Um, and then finally getting to Jean Grey's grave and going, oh, that's why I'm here. <laughs> Hello. Yeah. Let's <laughs> pull you out the ground, um, and then it realizing that it wasn't ready to come back, but then knowing that it needed the power, 
which then sparked the whole Quentin Choir right. trying to grab the Phoenix for himself. And they were split. There was the Phoenix, Jean Grey, and Jean Grey. Jean Grey, she buried as the uh, in the green and gold, and she was red and gold, the Phoenix. And she was going around. And But one of my favorite parts is, like, she shows up to Wolverine, and Wolverine's like, it's not you, and stuff like that. And she goes, yes, it is. And she has him stab her. Like, for two pages, he did nothing but stab <laughs> the shit out of Jean Grey. And then finally, you turn the third page, he goes, well, now that she's sleeping. I was like, you know what, Wolverine, haven't you learned anything? <laughs> is this how this happened the last time, Wolverine? Because <laughs> now the Phoenix was in control. Exactly. Jean was not dead. Jean was sleeping, healing, and the Phoenix was now in control of everything. Exactly. Stupid ass. And then it decided to try to take over Emma. Try to take over Emma. It wanted Scott's power. Yes. Because Scott had that unlimited power yes. that could constantly keep her energy up and all the, absorb all of it. So they put him in that little egg. And um, Cyclops kept shooting at her. Then they were like, oh shit, that's what it wants. Never mind, get out of there. <laughs> Like, God damn, we screwed up again. <laughs> Haven't we learned our lessons yet? And then Kitty goes down and pulls Jean Grey out of the frozen, the Antarctic, whatever the hell she was in, but f- pulls her out. And that's when it was Phoenix versus Jean. Yeah. You know, and they would just went at it, and she rips the Phoenix Force right out of Emma, just rips it out of her, grabs Emma, and just throws Emma aside. She's <laughs> like, bitch, you don't got this. I do. <laughs> and it was, and it was that epic moment of. I have to bond with this yeah. to make this stop. And just seeing, was I think it was Emma, right? She had the Cerebro and she had everybody connected to saying, we love you, we love was you, it, we love you. Was it Emma that did I that? I think it was Emma through Cerebro. And or Cerebro. And at Cerebro point. at the point. <laughs> had everybody that was ever connected to Gene say, yeah. I love you. Rachel, Wolverine. Cable, Gene. everybody all yeah. over the world. It was... Havoc was there, you know? <sighs> And they all touched, and then she she had mascara running down her face, and she was uh, crying. That's I think that was one of, I think that was my favorite panel out of the entire thing was the the tears running, and it's just like half or three quarters of her face on the panel, mm-hmm. and it's just the tears the tears running down, and then the 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 word bubbles down the side of it. So amazingly done, evoked such emotion. Uh. For every Jean Grey fan, and even if you really weren't a huge Jean Grey fan, the way it was written was so amazing that it it so pulled at your heartstrings that it's like, is that person that everybody is missing, but knows can't be back. Right. Like, they know this isn't real. They know this isn't right. But it's just, it's kind of almost, it's almost a closure. It's that healing point for everybody where they're able to kind of finally, one last time, get to say, I love you. And then and then she turned and then I remember Scott going like, "Who are you?" When she was now in the white and gold, and she's she like, goes, "I am Jean Grey and I am the Phoenix. I am the White Phoenix of the Crown." It was fabulous. And she's holding her, yeah. she's holding herself in her seductive pose <laughs> in her white. Look and gold. at my breasts. <laughs> she's, like, she's like, "Don't you see me holding my breasts up?" I'm the White Phoenix of the Crown. It was it was beautiful, and she was going to find the rest of it. That yes. was her journey, and that was the last we heard of her. She was brought back too early. She was brought back too yep. early, so she's got to go back to the the white hot room and, and heal and become whole again, and then we'll see her in another like ten years. And <laughs> it's been about ten years. Yeah, she'll she'll pop back up around at some point, which then leads into Jean Grey coming back. Yeah, <laughs> in uh in, in this all new X Men. But my biggest thing, and this was part of the reason why I I felt so flat at the end of AVX. Cyclops was right. 
Yes, and the was. phoenix was the key to restarting the mutant population. But the way they did it gutted me. Because depending on how you read it, it could really just mean the end of Jean Grey as Phoenix. Again, maybe not a horrible thing. Right. But at the same point where this whole thing started with Wanda uttering the words, no more mutants. And she couldn't get it right. And she didn't annihilate all of them. She just got rid of, you know. Everybody else except the X-Men. <laughs> exactly. And, you know, her and her siblings. Uh, <laughs> but uh, she joined with Hope, the two people that could hurt the Phoenix. Mm-hmm. And she uttered the words, no more Phoenix. But at the end, you know, they focused on Hope and she was on the island and stuff. And then Hope took a step and the flower grew. Yes. Which I took it as this Phoenix. Because that's it showed in every time the Phoenix destroyed a world, a flower grew. Hmm. So in all the very first, I think, three or four issues when it was coming to Earth, it would destroy a planet and would show a flower. Hmm. So I think that's it's not gone. So maybe maybe Hope absorbed some of it some of even it even if there's an essence yes it's still there that can build because as in Endsong where it was just a fragment of the Phoenix Force is what then started that whole that whole ball rolling so it restarted the mutant population lights are popping up all over Cerebro and uh, it really did what it was supposed to do and it did bring rebirth of the mutant population which was all it wanted to do that's it you know but I mean Scott knew better and I wonder if Hope just accepted it what would have happened would have just started and then she would have left as the Phoenix which I really wanted because I hate Hope <sighs> <laughs> well the the the, uh, the Phoenix knew even if she had said I'm ready the Phoenix knew she wasn't ready and it wasn't willing to just settle for somebody who wasn't going to ex- be able to fully understand and handle it right and then the Avengers went and fucked it all up by splitting it into five pieces, oh. trying to destroy it. Great job. Yeah. Great job, Iron Man. Great job. Exactly. You would think maybe they would know better. No, not so much. Um, but it, it did lead into the restarting of the mutant population. Hopefully, no pun intended, you know, if Hope did absorb some of it, it will keep the Phoenix alive in some way, shape, or form that they maybe will be able to come back to it later well, on. Well, because look, Wanda's power didn't... It never killed off the mutant race it just severed some kind of a tie yes and that's what they explained like your brain couldn't access your power you had it you just couldn't get to it yes because that because that's how Emma restarted uh, Iceman because Iceman had no powers and Emma was able to restart it for him because she was able to go in and poke around right so and that's all that was the whole depowering of mutants on top not even just the fact that there were no more you depowered all these mutants and there was really no new ones born outside of hope you know, the second coming, the Messiah complex, all of that. And I'm sorry, if we go to the Hope, she was born in Alaska where Madeline Pryor was created. Mm-hmm. And she had red hair and green hair. I was, I was a firm believer that she was a, a clone that Sinister created to take the Phoenix, knowing that in the future. And that's what I really thought she was going to wind up being. You know, just uh, it was created because they used the DNA of Jean Grey. Which yeah. is all it really knows. It knows that's the attraction to the yeah. Phoenix. Because it had bonded with it, with Jean so long ago and has had this bond for 40 years 40 plus years at this point right oh yeah yeah well I mean in their time it's like three weeks yeah three weeks or a month <laughs> it's known for about you know four months <laughs> <laughs> but what broke my heart in AVX and I just have to for Rachel and Rachel had the Phoenix for so long and she was the one who was able to tame it 
mm-hmm. I guess, or bend it to her will. Yep. And it didn't even acknowledge her. You know, and I remember her and Cyclops t- walking and talking, and she's like, does it talk about me? I'm like, really? Really? It's like a bad breakup. <laughs> exactly. Does he still think about me? <laughs> does he ever ask about me? Does he ask how I'm doing? You know, and that's what she, I was like, wow. And it's like that, it, it should have been one of her, too. She should have been taking it. Not magic. Fucking bitch. Sorry. <laughs> but I think part of that is because Rachel is such a unique character to any timeline. And I had mentioned this earlier that there is no other Rachel. Right. Rachel, as the Hound, as Phoenix, as whatever, when she crossed over from her timeline to ours, there's never been another Rachel. There is no other mention of Rachel. There's no ultimate Rachel. There's no any other timeline Rachel. Rachel Summers, that is there, is Rachel, and that's it. So maybe in this timeline, or because of that, the Phoenix really didn't know her respond to her didn't know her right. so didn't reach out to her and she really wasn't even at that point she wasn't even a part of what was going on because that was Cyclops's X-Men My, she was with Wolverine and she was the, kinda uh, well yeah she ended up being a turncoat but um, but when it, when it came down to it she wasn't there had she been a part of that that side of it maybe that would have been right and she would have gotten a cuter Phoenix outfit than her or you know what would have been really funny is if they just went back to that red with the, the spikes on it <laughs> Yeah, Everybody else gets a really cool new outfit. Goes, what the hell? <laughs> she gets her mullet and her rat tail back. She goes, fuck. Somebody get this out of me. Somebody shoot me, please. Logan. <laughs> I need to be stabbed. Come on. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that that really would have been kind of, it would have been nice to, to see that and see Rachel. And I I like the fact that now getting back into reading them, seeing Rachel being a little bit more prominent in in the titles I loved her in Excalibur I loved Excalibur as a whole I did I was a big fan of Excalibur um, I love Captain Britain he's my favorite sorry I like that's you know it's funny Excalibur made me fall in love with Nightcrawler that's uh, where I mean I liked him in the X-Men yes. but he was very, he was such a great character in Excalibur yes. Yes. you know and I really liked him and I thought he was great and then Colossus was there and Kitty was there and Megan God only knows what her thing is but, <laughs> where is she <laughs> and she pops in when you need her <laughs> When she actually she showed up when Captain Britain joined Secret Avengers, she was there. Ah, oh. you know, with him, not as Megan, you know, doing the power thing, but she was with him, the wife. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah she's uh, just as long as she's still around somewhere, yeah, she's still around. <laughs> Does she lost her powers? She, I don't know. <laughs> Nobody really cares about. Yeah, no one really cares. You see, yeah, yeah, there's Megan. Are you still are you still uh, barefoot and wearing that green dress, girl? All right, <laughs> we're good. <laughs> just checking in on you. <laughs> Uh, so it, it's good to see that the Phoenix really did bring rebirth and it burns away what doesn't work and it rebuilds and makes better. So now hopefully we'll get better. Yeah. You know, but the thing now we go into all new X-Men. Yes. Which Hank Beast goes back in time and pulls the original five from his timeline, not an alternate timeline from his timeline because they have to fix what happened. They, which he I wants feel is them kind of to going a it. little far. Which, you know, I'm like, okay, you're confronting them of the future of things they're going to do, which should in turn fuck up what's exactly. going on right here, right now. Exactly. Like, okay, now if Jean turns around, she'd be like, oh, I killed how many billions of people? Oh, and so now the Phoenix calls out to her, and she goes, no. Exactly. So will the Phoenix ever come to Earth, or is it destined? Will the Phoenix always bond with Jean Grey? Is that always a destiny? But that's the at thing. that point, does she? start as 
The good phoenix. Or just goes right to or dark goes phoenix. Right to dark fuck phoenix. This. Fuck she's, this. she's like, I don't want this. I don't want this. <laughs> fuck. All right. Well, where are those broccoli people? I'll go kill them now. <laughs> she's sitting there. She's like, she's got a little, she's got her cell phone out. She's got her little calendar. I kill broccoli people tomorrow. <laughs> All right. I'll get right on that. Gene, what are you doing tomorrow? Oh, I got to go kill a solar system. I'll see, see y'all later. later. <laughs> I got to eat a star. <laughs> <laughs> so it'll it'll be interesting to see how that's going to affect everything. Yeah, everything because, because they're not just. It's not the one big thing is it's not a one shot. It's not. It's a, a new quick ongoing. Thing. It's an ongoing. He plans on doing this, which you know Bendis is known. Look at how long he was on the Avengers. Yeah, I mean he agreed to do the X Men if he could do the originals, and this is the only way they could do it. So we'll see. We're going to see what's going to happen if things are going to change or. This everything is just destined. No matter what they do, it's not going to change. It's just maybe going to be aware. It's possible. It, I almost think that it would have been a. I like the premise. I I I think with so much sci-fi in everybody's minds, and even you know mainstream sci-fi, you talk like Charmed, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. You know those shows that were so big where you didn't need to be a sci-fi person or a fan of like witchcraft and vampires right. and all that. That we all have that in our head of. Well, if you go back and you change the past, you completely alter the future. That butterfly effect. Exactly. Or yeah, you know that right that there. That movie right there. You know that's that's the big one. And it's- so, had they had they taken them from an alternate reality in some way, and just and Bisa gone and found and it was and it was basically to show like the pure nature of where they started and pull them from that. So that way, he could help change the course of where we're going now. I could see that because then you're not outright affecting your past. You're taking somebody else's past and you're fucking with it. But whatever. <laughs> and I might I don't care. <laughs> He's like, eh, we're not in that timeline. Whatever. <laughs> but um but yeah, so it'll be interesting to see how this whole thing plays out. It'll be great to have Gene Gray back on the canvas oh, in any way, shape, I'm or so form. I'm so excited that I'm so excited Gene Gray's gonna go to the Gene Gray school. <laughs> I'm like it's like such a big thrill for me. She's like, Hey, that's me. <laughs> So it it's it'll definitely be interesting to see how they respond to Xavier being gone and dead this time. And even what he did to them. Exactly. Like he fucked with all their minds. You know? So now they're gonna go so you never know that in the future it could be the outcome after the Bendis' run or end of this big story arc, it could be that from a different timeline. Yeah. You know, and that's the gene that stays. And I don't know. Nobody knows. Original right now they're saying that this is out six one six is past. So it'll be interesting to see. I'm I'm looking forward to it. I don't think I've been really kind of excited for a storyline. I, I I'm going into it with a little trepidation because you never know how it's going to turn out. You don't know if it's going to be a complete flop, right? You know, like I said, that that one page or two page excerpt that they showed in the the preview book, it was compelling, right? The way that it was written, and and I think that it has a chance to really make a, an impact and make a mark but at the same point you know now you've pulled your pa- your past self out of the past so now they can't do those things that they were supposed to be doing to get you to where you're at now and you're also changing them so even if you send them back it's going to alter so it, there's so many loose ends exactly. to see how they're going to really to see run. what the whole outcome why they're doing this exactly like I'm sure there's a bigger picture that we just don't know 
So, so we'll we'll be looking forward to that's the seventeenth, fourteenth, seventeenth, seventeenth. Okay. Oh, gee. Which I think this I think we were talking about releasing this right before the Friday before yeah. the release of that. So we'll be waiting to see how that turns and out. And A Comics, I was supposedly be getting two copies, preview copies. Yeah. So I'm gonna be able to read it hopefully this week. You, you, so you best so be calling a brother and be like, "What's be, up?" I'm gonna post everything about everything. No, no. <laughs> so I think it's the first time Aaron's gonna like tie me down and not make me do anything. <laughs> Eric, you just take this week off, all right? <laughs> <laughs> Nobody wants to be spoiled, all right? Uh, so it'll be uh, it'll be definitely interesting to see how that goes. Um, so if you, with, so I think we've covered pretty much everything. Yes. So if you were to take your expansive Jean Grey knowledge and history, what would you say is like the one pivotal or, or your most standout moment in Jean Grey's storied history? Okay, this is not really... It was a backup story in one of the... I think it actually was a fill-in issue. And it was Jean Grey, her te- telepathy is so strong that she bonded with this puppy, a puppy that was beaten and killed. And she went after. She was already Phoenixy at this point, and she was going after the kids who did this to her, to this puppy with a bloodlust. And but the way they drew it, and the way they talked about it, of the connection, and this puppy going, "Am I a good dog now? If I don't do this, will you stop hitting?" And I can't even how much it like just broke my heart that Jean was like feeling that this puppy was trying to do everything to be good, so they stopped hitting it and beating it and torturing this poor puppy, setting it. It was. It was horrific, and just Jean Grey, like Cyclops, looked at her, and she just went dark. Instantly, her face went really dark, and she's like, I'm going to kill them. (laughs) And Cyclops had to toke her down, and that was a moment of Jean that I will never forget that just, it just really touched me. I mean, there's a lot of great stuff, but that's one thing that always sticks out for me. That's absolutely amazing, because it shows, it shows how powerful, how... I don't want to say vindictive, but how how determined and how fierce she is to defend mm-hmm. the people or the things that can't defend themselves. And that's always been the fiber of her being has really just been that girl next door, the mother figure, everything that's good. Right. That even when she goes bad, it's always there's always a core of selflessness. In it, I mean, aside from the you know eating a star and destroying a solar system, she it wasn't, it wasn't our fault though. We still love you, Gene. Oh, Gene. Wah, wah, wah. Um, no, and that that really kind of kind of brings it back down. Um, I think in going through reading some of the newer stuff, and I mean, I loved the Dark Phoenix saga, the her turning the the laser on herself, and you know, you know, saying goodbye to Scott was probably one of the most powerful things I read when I started reading comics. Um, but End Song, that what we talked that about moment, before, yeah. that moment where she finally stops and sees everybody that cares about her. And that's, you know, like Rachel saying, I love you, mom. And all those, that I think was probably the most emotional Phoenix Jean Grey moment I think I've ever had reading any of them. They've all been so amazingly poignant and so powerfully written but that one scene and especially the way that they did it and it was drawn with the you know the shadow telepathic heads of everybody and just seeing how much she's loved 
and they even it even kind of broke Emma a little bit. And she's like, God damn. Yeah, Emma was like, "Damn, are you loved woman?" You know? She's like, "I still hate you, <laughs> cow." <laughs> yeah, I don't care about your new outfit. Whatever, you copy my white looks. <laughs> but um, I think that I think in in kind of becoming a reader again, I think that's probably been my most um, my most standout moment. And I think I actually even had tears rolling down my cheeks for that. And I don't, you know, I, I get emotional during some of the stuff, but I don't think I've ever cried during. A you know reading a book and that was just so powerfully written and so amazingly drawn that it just it, it trumped I think everything else that I've ever read and it just was knowing that wow that's kind of the end of the line right you, you never say never because you know they bring back just about everybody well I do like that we're getting Gene again and we're not getting the convoluted Phoenix mess yes it's, that's it's the one it's, it's exactly wiping the slate without really wiping the slate yes. which I like it's now going to be a different Gene again now she's going to grow up you know all over again but with the knowledge of everything that happened to her well that's if she stays here like Brian was talking about how possibly we're supposed to she stays Supposing they all go back and she stays, and now that's the Jean Grey that's here. What happens? Exactly. But the the cover of issue three of All New X Men, it's got her at the center, but then it's got her fighting with the living monolith in one corner. It's got you know like the phoenix in one corner. It's got all these different things, and so I'm assuming that's the variant one that I want. Oh, is that the the regular cover? Is her in the little uh, Miss Marvel, not uh, Marvel Girl outfit, and she has all the pictures of the Dark Phoenix saga, the wedding, and she's just looking up. Oh, she has all these pictures. That's the regular cover. Ah. The variant is the one I want with all the jeans. Oh, Oh, okay. (laughs) For some reason, I thought that was um, was actually a couple issues in because I saw the cover posted. I saw that picture on uh, Facebook, and I was like, and I want this. Yeah, exactly. So it'll be interesting to see how they they play all that, and because that's right from the start, that's going to be a huge issue. You know how she's going to cope and how she's going to deal with that. So and how long until Wolverine rapes her? <laughs> I give it a week. <laughs> I mean, it'll be ten years in our time. I'll be dead, but I give it a week. <laughs> exactly. So uh, I think that really kind of just covers our little our I little did it. Jean Grey talk. And we didn't sit here with our on, on the bed, you know, with our hand, our our fists under our chins, going. So, <laughs> Jean's so pretty. <laughs> I wish I had her outfits. <laughs> so, uh, well, yeah, yeah. It'll be fun <laughs> to see. It'll be fun to see how they they take this. It'll be nice to see Jean Grey back into our continuity. However, they're going to do this. Could be great. I'm excited. It could. I'm suck. very excited. <laughs> I know it can go either way. But it's it's built up a, a definite hype and a definite desire to see how this plays out. So I'm sure that the uh, next Flame On recording will... I'll just get bitch slapped. (laughs) I'll just tell Gene, shut the fuck up. (laughs) I'm sure that'll be a a topic that'll be discussed in depth on that one. So maybe I'll be a part of that that, uh, that conversation. rug. (laughs) With the basket rug. (laughs) So uh, we'll see. But until then, uh, we'll catch you on the next episode. So I'm going to say Flame Off for now. But I know there's going to be a surprise. Hey, listeners, it's Oral from, uh, you know, Flame On. Now, I know they have bored you to tears. Bored you to tears with blah, 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 Jean Grey. Blah, 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 Madeline. Blah, 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 she's coming back. But nobody wanted her back. She's been dead for years. She should have stayed dead. And even now, out of everything that came out of AVX, what have we learned? Nobody cares about the Phoenix. 
the phoenix was just the stepping stone to rekindle the mutant race. Phoenix destroys every planet on its way back to Earth, and nobody talks about that. But you have one bad day, one bad day, all the mutants disappear, and public enemy number one. Bullshit. I call shenanigans. Shenanigans. And to end this, no more Jean, no more Madeline, no more Phoenix.